What's up, everybody? It's Dan, Binder Boneyard, coming at you from the office desk. Uh, it is seven o'clock on a Monday night. Um, just uh, getting a chance to sit down and burn out one of these podcasts. So thank you. Uh, I know they've been pretty thin lately. Uh, I'm trying really hard to get back into it, but uh, man, you know, there's. I thought having uh, more help here would free me up to do things, and it turns out it just makes me even busier uh, because my job has turned into a facilitator. Uh, I am now an errand runner and parts finder and, you know, mentor. Uh, and so I am I'm busy keeping everybody else busy. So uh, I'm not complaining. It's a good thing. But it's just uh, it's made things a little difficult. So anyways... Thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate all of the support, the likes, the shares, the follows. Um, been picking up some uh, YouTube followers. Uh, kind of a big push of those lately. So if you're not following on YouTube, you should. Um, and I, I do appreciate all that stuff. All the people that donate uh, on Patreon... Um, which you can do as well. Just head over to Patreon and donate. Um, you know, a lot of people already do. It's great. Uh, Scout Owners of the World page on Facebook. Um, get a lot of support from uh, Loctite and uh, some other other people like that. Sog Knives. Um, yeah. And support from viewers like you. So, anyway, I... Super grateful, super appreciative, uh, and uh, yeah, to uh, just jump right into it. Today, we're going to talk about breaks. Breaks are one of the things that you don't realize how important they are until the pedal touches the floor. Um, and I know that's kind of like no shit, Sherlock, but you know, spongy breaks, squishy breaks. That kind of stuff, you know, you just get used to and then someone else jumps in the rig and they're like, holy shit, what the hell's wrong? Uh, so um, brakes are something that you don't want to mess around with. Uh, you know, they need to work. Um, so quick overview. Uh, if you don't know how brakes work, uh, it's fluid movement, the master cylinder attached to the brake pedal. Uh, either directly attached or through the brake booster, uh, depending on what model you have. And, you know, the bore of the master cylinder uh, determines the pressure and volume that makes it to the wheel cylinders or calipers. And you'll see on, um, like, drum braked rigs, drum brakes all the way around, they will have a larger bore master cylinder, like inch and an eighth, <clears throat> excuse me, inch and an eighth. Um, and then on disc braked rigs, uh, you'll see they'll be smaller. They'll be like uh, one inch. Uh, and on some of the race cars and trophy trucks and things that we've worked on, they've had like three quarter inch bores um, because then when you're moving calipers 
it takes more pressure and less volume, if that makes sense. The smaller bore will create more pressure. Uh, it's it's kind of like imagining putting your thumb over the end of a garden hose and, you know, it sprays a lot harder because you've made the passageway smaller. Uh, so, um, and what that means also is like for drum brake trucks that have wheel cylinders uh, instead of calipers, they, um, they have, uh, how do I say this? They require more fluid to move out. You know, a wheel cylinder will have a push rod or a cup on each side, unless it's a Lockheed system, which will have one single-sided wheel cylinder, which is another ridiculous setup that we'll get into later. Uh, but um, because of the mechanics of how a wheel cylinder works, it requires a lot of fluid movement. So uh, hence the larger bore master cylinder makes for uh, more fluid movement and less pressure. Uh, so that is why boosters were developed um, to help amplify the fluid movement. Um, because if you've ever driven a non-boosted truck, um, like pretty much a lot of them were, in the, in the early days anyways, um, you'll notice that you have to push pretty hard. Uh, you know, I don't have a problem with it. Um, it gets a little scary when you're towing or doing something like that, but uh, general driving, if they're adjusted well and everything is in good condition, it's not bad, but you got to push hard. Um, I know on Palmolive, Josie Scout, um, we have it set up pretty nice and it really doesn't take a lot to slow that Scout down, but you know, my pickup towing that takes takes a little bit more effort um so then they developed uh, vacuum boosters uh and some of those go back to the like old days like the 40s um where it uses engine vacuum to help amplify the the um, pedal movement i should say so that's why everything has boosters these days um and it's, it's helpful. It really is. Uh, if you can upgrade to a system that uses a booster, I recommend it. Uh, if not, like if you got a Scout 800 or Scout 80 that has that the inner fenders right in the way and you don't want to cut it and you don't want to mess around, um, you know, you can run <clears throat> like four-wheel discs, which help kind of take up some of the uh, slop that the drum brakes have if you really need a lot of braking, uh, oversized tires or something like that. But, um, really, you know, boosters are pretty good. Uh, there's a couple of companies that make adapter plates that you can put a booster on your 80 or 800, but usually those for hydro boost. Um, that's another form of booster, uh, that I believe GM developed it, but I probably wrong. Um, they, it uses power steering, uh, power steering pump pressure to act as the booster. Um, so it provides even more power than a vacuum booster. 
And so um, that helps. <clears throat> that helps with uh, a lot more power. And um, if you have large drums, you know, the the one-ton Chevys had, you know, 14 by 3 shoes. And that takes a ton of power to um, move those wheel cylinders and utilize the shoes to their fullest. So I think they developed the Hydro Boost just for that reason um that and engines that don't produce vacuum uh, like diesels they they don't make vacuum and so um you know like the early fords 60 or, i'm sorry the early 80s fords uh they had vacuum boosters that were um driven off of the engine so the brakes and hvac systems would work uh the cummins were that way as well um Cummins has had vacuum pumps uh, driven off the engine or power steering pump of it. So, um, but later on they got away from that and went to fluid powered boosters like the Hydro Boost setups. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking for the ultimate in braking, you would go with like a four wheel disc and Hydro Boost. Uh, that'll pretty much, it's almost too much brakes. Uh, we've done a couple scouts that way, and to you really got to adjust the the valve proportioning valve so that the rear end doesn't lock up too soon, um, especially when they're topless and you know there's another 300 pounds that's not on the rear wheels. Now all of a sudden you're getting all this weight transfer under hard braking, and then the back tires want to lock up, and um, there's definitely a a process to sorting it all out. Um, so we really, we really just, uh, <laughs> this just escalated quickly because I just went from explaining how brakes work to weight transfer and four wheel discs. So I will back up. <laughs> you want to know how I don't, <laughs> I don't prepare for these things? Uh, that's how right there, because I just talk out and uh, here we are. So, all right, we'll back up to... Uh, good working brakes. Uh, from the master cylinder, uh, there's a proportioning valve that uh, they started installing in the 70s when the disc brake systems were coming out because if the rear brakes actuated the same time as the front brakes, you were getting a lot of um, skidding and lockups and whatnot. So they developed this valve that would kind of bias the braking front to rear um, because you want the fronts doing a lot of the work. Uh, you don't want 50-50 brakes because uh, then it just, the rear end likes to lock up. Uh, you know, maybe if you're towing or hauling a lot of weight in the bed, it'd probably be okay. But in empty street driving, you want like 70-30 um, just because the front rotors, calipers, you know, they do good at stopping uh, all that weights up there. The front tires handle everything. And like I said before about weight transfer, you, and you, everyone knows what that feels like. Uh, you know, you slam on the brakes and the nose dives and all your shit from the back goes sliding to the front and everything like that. So um, when that happens, you want those front tires to be able to handle uh, that kind of braking that's uh that's kind of a i don't know what you call it a uh, good indicator that your 
rig is performing how it's supposed to. There's an old, uh, I don't know what you call it, like old timer way of setting up brakes is that on a gravel road, the front tires should lock up before the back tires. And on a paved road, the back tires should lock up before the front tires. And if you have anti-lock brakes, good luck. Uh, so if they're not doing that, if you're not getting that kind of action, then there's still some upgrades or some repair that needs to happen to your brake system. Um, so, you know, if we start at the older rigs, uh, you know, front front end disc conversions are the, the best upgrade a person can do um, right out of the box just to just for better performance. Even if it's still um, all manual, even, you know, if you don't have a booster in there, just having front discs goes a long ways in helping stop, um, you know, and I've, I've said this before, four wheel drums are fine for pretty much stock rigs. Um, if you got a stock scout, you know, 80 or 800, that's not modified, it's four cylinder, it only does 52 anyways, you're running 30 inch tires, just good working drums are, are good. You know, new shoes, good wheel cylinders, fresh fluid, that stuff, they will stop well. If you're running larger tires, a bunch of accessories, you know, 304, four speed, you know, the heaviest of the scout, early scouts, really suggest looking into the front discs. Uh, and then, you know, making sure the rear drums are in good shape, wheel cylinders are good, no leaks, that kind of thing. Um, you know, same for Scout 2. Scout 2 braking is actually not bad in stock form, stock truck. It's fine. Um, but again, lifted, really looking to, um, you know, <clears throat> updating if you can. They do make slotted rotors and updated pads and, and whatnot uh, for the, for the Scouts. Uh, so... If you need more performance, you can go that route. And then there's the rear disc um, conversions. Those uh, those work well. They do require uh, external proportioning valve a lot of times. They, they do sell a disc-disc valve, but I've found that sometimes you still need an additional valve. Um, you can buy them through Summit or Speedway, but it's just a goes in line and it's got a knob on it and you can actually adjust the amount of power that the rear brakes are getting. Um, so if you're getting a bunch of lockups or, you know, on wet and rainy roads and the back tires keep locking up, um, you know, that can be pretty dangerous. So you'll want this, an inline proportioning valve, um, that, uh, that, that helps dial down that pressure going to the rear end. Uh, you know, and if you're doing a four wheel disc system, you're going to want a four wheel disc master cylinder, um, because they retain, uh, they have different setup. They, you know, um, how do I say this? A lot of systems, uh, drum brake systems, especially require a residual valve because there's always spring pressure inside the drums trying to pull the shoes back away from the drum because you don't want your shoes dragging on the drums. 
So there's spring pressure always pulling the shoes together. And if you don't have a uh, residual valve in line, what happens is the shoes, the springs will pull the shoes, collapse the wheel cylinder, and push all the fluid back up to the master cylinder. So then when you go to stop, the shoes have to travel a long ways to touch the drum. And a lot of times they won't make it, uh, depending on how worn your shoes are and what your adjustment is. So uh, a lot of the early master cylinders had a residual valve built into them. Uh, and some of them have it built into the uh, um, junction block as well. It just depends. The disc setups... You know, depending on who you talk to, they they say that you don't need one a lot of times because there's no spring pulling the caliper away from the rotor. Uh, it just relies on fluid pressure and movement um, to keep it. And if you notice on a disc setup, you'll hear a very faint shushing noise, you know, where the caliper or the shoes, I'm sorry, the pads are rubbing on the rotor. Um, some people say you need like a two pound residual valve. I, other people say gravity is enough. Um, I know on the race car setups, they run a two pound valve, but a lot of those are running, you know, Will Wood master cylinders and crazy calipers and all kinds of stuff that, uh, you know, they're high performance. They're like 17 inch rotors and six piston calipers and all this stuff that's just super race car shit. And uh, that's that's a whole nother level of stuff whole other level of stuff um the you know if your scout if you look at your scout it's got a single piston caliper and it's gigantic um some of the fords of the early days had dual piston calipers and they were huge as well but uh you know the gm stuff the cadillac calipers that come in the rear disc kits they're all single piston um so they work pretty well but you know, you start getting into the race car shit. It's a, uh, it's a whole other thing. So I know I've covered a lot of ground here pretty fast. The thing that I would stress the most uh, is just good working stock first. Make sure that's functioning well before you think about four wheel discs and Hydra Boost and all that other stuff. Um, you know, the shoes, a lot of the shoes out there are riveted, uh, which is good because they can be rebuilt, relined uh, is the term. Um, you know, if you'll take them to Napa and someplace like that, they won't they won't have shoes for you. And they won't know what to do with them. But a lot of major cities have um, places that do... Um, uh, you know, relining. They'll do clutch relining or uh, they can do brake shoes, that kind of stuff. It might be a little more expensive, but it's definitely the difference between, you know, keeping the scout on the road and, and not. Uh, especially, it's more so important for the older trucks, you know, the C's, A, B, and C trucks. Um, those shoes, a lot of times are, um, you know, those shoes are obsolete and the only place you can get them is you know re-riveted uh, re-lined shoes 
Some of the half-ton two-wheel drives use some weird front shoes that are bonded, where they actually glue the uh, friction material to the metal shoe, and you can't have those relined. So my um, suggestion to anybody that's doing brakes or has is thinking about doing them or whatever on an older rig is um, if you have riveted shoes, don't give them away, don't throw them away, don't um, you know, don't turn them in as cores unless you're getting back another set of riveted shoes. If the, if the place wants you to turn in your riveted ones for a set of bonded ones, don't do it because the bonded ones are, are really hard to get. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's changed since, you know, I don't know, I've been doing this a while and I haven't heard, um, I haven't heard of anybody bonding shoes and having good luck with it. Um, you know, luckily some of the other models are, are more popular and they're available. Scout 800, um, you know, 18800 shared a lot of Jeep parts. So uh, those are available. Uh, a lot of the Scout 2 stuff is available. I know the, the wider, uh, I think it's two inch wide rear Scout drums and shoes are expensive but they do exist and they are available. So uh, don't complain, just buy them because you could be like me with my C-Series and my Lockheed brakes and my single-sided wheel cylinders that, you know, don't work very well and are, you know, the, not the greatest of functioning uh, brake systems. The, the Lockheed systems are kind of crappy in my opinion. Um, I've never liked them and you can tell at least I've been doing this long enough. I can tell when I drive a truck if it has a, a Lockheed style brake system or if it's like a Carter um, or a Wagner system. Uh, you know, those are, there's just a difference. Um, and it's a lot to get into right now if you don't know what you're looking at. But uh, anyway. There's a reason that Lockheed stopped doing that stuff, and at least on internationals. Uh, so yeah, so you know, get your get your stock stuff working correctly, and then if you want to do an upgrade, you know, there's kits out there for the small hub, um, small knuckle, closed knuckle stuff. IH Parts America sells a really um, inclusive kit for doing disc brakes on an 80 or an 800. You can use a lot of it on small knuckle, um, half ton, C series trucks. Uh, that's three quarter ton guys with the big six lug pattern. We're not as lucky, um, but you can still use that kit and convert. Use the six lug Chevy spindles and run eight lug Chevy front discs, um, and then you just have to figure out what to do with the rear end. Uh, sometimes it's just a easier to swap in a GM rear uh, or a Dodge rear end. It's the same width. Um, Dana 60 Dodges, Dodge Dana 60 rears were a little bit narrower than the other full sizes. Um, or you find an international 60 rear uh, or 70 rear that's eight lug uh, and put that in there. So you keep the narrow width because international had the narrowest width axles of all of the full size stuff. So, um, you know, if you're a C-Series guy, that's one way to get upgraded brakes because there's really no options for this uh, six-lug stuff, um, unfortunately. And those drums are getting really hard to find. I've been 
every time I get some, man, they sell fast. So, um, you know, I, so I try and recommend everyone just upgrade, just, you know, bite the bullet, put the eight lugs on and, uh, go that route. Or if you have a half ton, like I said, scout stuff works on the half ton conversions. Um, you're running big tires, then that's when you want to look at the rear disc kits. Uh, you know, TSM makes them, uh, SSBC makes them. Um, the Dana 44 rear kits are pretty generic uh, across the board. So, yeah, the four-wheel disc does go a long ways in the overall performance uh, with when you're running larger tires and and things like that. So definitely look into it if uh, you've got complaints about your brakes. Um, but like I said, it, only if your complaints about the brakes are after you know your stock system is up to par. If you just, you know, like I said, if you've got misadjusted shoes and it's handling weird, going to discs might be unnecessary, um, especially if you're on a budget. You know, getting the stuff you have working first is usually the best option. But anyway, hopefully I didn't go too far over everybody's head. Um, and I'm sure I forgot a bunch of shit. And I'm sure I was redundant of them stuff. So I know I'll hear about it. <laughs> so anyways, um, if you guys like what you hear, Shoot me suggestions on uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, whatever. Um, follow Scout Owners of the World page. Follow the Scout Mafia page. Um, you know, and then you've got my uh, YouTube channel and and all that. So uh, please tell your friends, like, share, subscribe. Um, don't be afraid to mention it on you know other forum pages and whatnot. I appreciate it. There's a lot of information out there that's wrong, and I'm trying my hardest to keep it from spreading. So anyway, thank you again, everyone. Uh, until next time, this is Dan from Binder Boneyard. Yeah.